Welcome in, Kiara, to a, another episode of the Pod Fathers, a Slam Diego Padres podcast. Uh, we have a special <laughs> trade deadline episode for you tonight, today, tonight, whenever the heck you're going to be listening to this. But uh, there's been a lot going on. I got uh, Quinn back on the pod with me to kind of digest this, what's all gone on here in the last, you know, 24 hours. So, Quinn, appreciate hopping back on. Let's see. Uh, it's been a crazy day. Happy to be here and uh, yeah, talk about talk about an understatement. Crazy day in the <laughs> crazy crazy couple days actually. Yeah. No, I mean today it ramped up. It usually does. I mean it's like I I put a tweet out there a couple of days ago where it's like basically the trade deadline is like a midnight homework assignment and you don't really have to turn it in until midnight. So might as well wait until the last day. Um, and that has been the case, especially as of recently, recent, the last few years, like last year, um, I forget who threw the tweet out there. Uh, might've been one of the guys from, from John boys squad there, um, where they said, you know, I think it was like 86% of the trades was done on trade deadline day. So there was a, there's quite a lot of, uh, of movement and that's what we've seen today. It's been absolutely outrageous. Um, man, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty nuts. So we'll, we'll dive into that here a little bit, break down each little trade here and there. Um, but just overall, Quinn, any any initial thoughts on on everything that's that's gone down? Yeah, you know, um, you know, we'll get into it. But I, the Padres did give up quite a bit. Um, oh yeah. But but uh, you know what? When you're in a in the the mindset that the Pod should be in right now, um, you're thinking this year, next year, the year after. That's your your window, really. Um, and things might change between now and then, obviously. But uh, I think that they have positioned themselves to get that top wild card, hopefully. Um, yeah. You know, as a as a certified Mets hater, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to their <clears throat> crashing and burning down the stretch. Uh, we'll see the Braves elevate into that top spot in the NL East. And then the pods will slide nicely into that number one wild card role. You feel me? I I actually completely agree because I don't think did the Mets make end up making any moves at the deadline. I, I, I the last time I checked, it's, I did not see anything. They made a couple like kind of under the radar, like small little moves, minor ones, mm-hmm. but they didn't make any splashes. Um, yeah. So. You know they they have a solid solid team right now, but um, the Mets are going to Mets. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're the they're the East Coast Padres from you know prior to this year. So because we're not going to do what we've always done as a <laughs> Padres team. This is different. This trade deadline is completely different yeah, than yeah, for, of anything. Course, yeah. 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 No, I, there is a uh, just real quick too before we get get into this the. Uh, I remember seeing a video early on in the year and one of the, one of the guys was uh, talking, he was getting interviewed, just random, random Mets fan. And uh, the guy goes, Oh, what, what is your uh, most exciting part in the season? And he goes, Oh, spring training, hundred percent. He's like, why is that? He's like, cause in May our season's done anyways, every single year. So there's always this false hope every single year. And then May comes around and I, he goes, I just go watch the Rangers and the other teams in New York. So, um, and, you know, to be fair, that's been us as Padres fans, too, really, for a good majority of our lifetime, at least. Um, you know, with a few years, you know, the middle, you know, 2005, six, seven. Uh, but other than that, you know, it hasn't been too exciting other than Mickey Mouse uh, did year. So, uh, yeah, this is this is quite monumental. You could argue this is the biggest trade. I mean, talking about the Juan Soto trade of possibly of all time. I mean, is that? I know we'll get into that here a little bit, but is that is that the biggest trade of all time? Do you think, Quinn, at the at the trade deadline, or even in general, with just the marquee name that Juan Soto is? I definitely and, think it's and what went the other way as well. Right, I definitely think it's it's the 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 biggest one in recent memory. I mean, you could you could point at stuff like Scherzer and Turner to the Dodgers as like a mm-hmm. a big Standing, one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Stanton, I mean, who went the other way? Yelich was in that deal and, and a few other yeah. names. Uh, so, you know, you could you could consider that as like a 
I definitely think it it might, based on the pieces the Padres sent the other way, might go down as the most talent in one trade ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you think about you think about Juan Soto. He's 23 years old. He's going to be reaching free agency at 24, maybe. You know, something might happen in the offseason. We don't know. Uh, And then you think of Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, James Wood. uh, You know, there's yeah, Robert Hassel. Mm -hmm. Robert Hassel. There is the potential there to have so much talent. I mean, that potentially that's three, four all-stars right there. Juan Soto would make five. Um, You know, those guys aren't going to be perennial MVP candidates like Soto, but they are all very solid players as of now and injuries and developments, stuff happens. They might never make the major leagues. Um, which, you know, there's a phrase, uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Very true. And Juan Soto is a, is a bird in the hand and a bunch of prospects are in the bush. So, you know, when you're, when maybe a little tiny finch or a gigantic eagle, you just, you never know. Can't see in that bush. When people are counting, who wins and loses this trade, you know, you, you, you don't really know until we peek under the hood five or six years down the road. Um, yeah. I, I saw this great piece yesterday, uh, a trade deadline piece from 2000, what was it, 17, 18, 19, one of those years. And it was, did the Cardinals fleece the Goldschmidt trade? Uh, early returns say yes. And uh, I don't know if our listeners remember, but Goldschmidt went to the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks got uh, a catcher, Carson Kelly. They got a pitcher in um, his name's going to escape me right now. Uh, He's on their, he's on their roster right now. And they got a second baseman, uh, a second base prospect that was hitting like 300 in the minors. And uh, what happened? Well, Carson Kelly went off and then has suddenly, like, forgotten how to hit. This pitcher, his name is – oh, man, it's going to bother. Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver. Yep, there you go. Uh, Luke Weaver has been hot and then went to Tommy John and has since, like, become, like, a two-seam changeup pitcher who has been inconsistent. And that second base prospect, his name is second base prospect because I can't even remember his name. Uh, I think he had a cup of coffee. Andy Young. Andy Young. I think he had a cup of coffee in the majors, but hasn't uh, hasn't done anything. And what is Paul Goldschmidt doing? Uh, MVP candidate. He's. I mean, right now he's he's the MVP. Yeah. So, uh, you know can't you count you can't create a trade until everything's said and done and yeah. right now you got to say the Padres won that because they got the they got the 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 piece the known the known quantity yeah you know no oh absolutely and I I feel like to just being a Padres fan for such a long time we've always been on the flip side of these deals right so you know, unload once we get some peak value out of Adrian Gonzalez or, you know, even Jake PV or anyone like that, that we'd, <clears throat> we'd ship away for prospects. And how many times has it really kind of paid off tremendously? I would say the first one that comes to mind is Fernando Tatis Jr. Really like we've, we've always, you know, there's been some guys that come up uh, that have been solid guys that we've gotten in acquisitions, but the first superstar we really got on the flip side of that was, was Tatis. So he changed the game completely. Um, and then I think you're also seeing a snowball effect now too, as to why we have weaving, you know, AJ Preller and the Padres have so much <clears throat> of, I wouldn't say an overweight in kind of the, the moves that they make or the prospects that, but, that they have, but 
when you're a guy like AJ Preller and you, you make a trade for Tatis and you sign these international free agents and you draft these guys that all of a sudden have such good stock, then people are going to weight the Padres prospects probably even a little bit higher um, than if it was possibly, you know, if they're on just a completely different team in a different organization with a different guy at the helm, just because, you know, they are really taking a look at what Preller's done. And, you know, I wouldn't say again, necessarily overvaluing that, um, but just putting a specific value on based off of his track record. So, um, you know, overall, these guys, they're very highly rated prospects. Will they pay off? Again, like you said, time will tell. Um, but what makes me excited about it is at least we're not on the flip side where we're getting rid of these prospects in a, you know, in a losing environment, i.e., is it Close or Classe? Um, that's the, uh, yeah. the Guardian's closer. And I had, a, I had no idea he was in the Padres organization. We traded him for um, a catcher from the Rangers. His name's escaping me. Is it uh, Nichols or Nicholson? Right, um, Nichols. Brett Nicholas. And he retired exactly the year after that. And now Classe is a, is a closer for the Guardians, right? Is that, is that correct? Yep. Um, and he, <laughs> you saw him strike out Crone for the last out of the, uh, the all-star game there. If you tuned in, tuned in for that and his stuff is absolutely electric. So at least if these prospects going the other way are going to, you know, pan out and, you know, potentially a couple of them become superstars or stars or very serviceable MLB players, at least we're getting some very well-recognized talent on the way back and not a Brett Nichols. <laughs> so that's the part right. that makes me extremely excited about the position that we're in currently. And to be honest with you, I know Preller gets a lot of stick on social media. What he has done from day one till now, he's built this team up to acquire guys like Soto, to acquire guys like Josh Bell as a secondary piece, to go out and get a hater, to go out and get, you know, even just a Brandon Drury to kind of top it all off, which again, we'll get into. And at the same time, doing that all in one deadline. That's not over. That's not moves over the course of three years. That's moves over the course of about three hours. So, uh, so overall, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm ecstatic to be a Padres fan at this point in time. I think everyone else could kind of, you know, agree with me on, on that point. And of course it's going to hurt to see some guys go the other way. That's just part of the business, but overall just completely ecstatic on, on my end and probably most Padres fans as well. Yeah. And, and, uh, to your point, um, you know, let's, let's jump in, uh, first to the, to the hater trade that one happened first. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's like a year ago is what it feels like <laughs> 24 yeah. hours ago. It looks, feels like it, he's been on the uh, team ready for about a month. Yeah, I've, I've, I've developed grays since then, but, uh, <laughs> um, hater coming in, um, getting rid of Rogers, getting rid of Asturi Ruiz. Yeah. Um, yeah are you know the big the big pieces of that mm-hmm. um ruiz i think is is like the the brewers have to be happy they got him i agree mm-hmm. um i think that i i i believe this with my heart that this guy can be a star um he's fun to watch young um lightning fast um uh, once again you know hater you know what you're going to get with Hader. Uh, he's a baller. Uh, he throws gas and he's got a dirty slider and he is arms and legs in all different directions from the left side uh, has been the best closer in the game really for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the one issue I see is that both him and Rogers have been kind of scuffling a little bit lately, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. That's going to happen in a season. Hopefully the idea here is to get Hater going down the stretch and have him against arms like, uh, you know, Max Muncy and Freddie Freeman in the postseason, right? A couple of exactly. lefty, a couple prime, prime lefty, lefty matchups. Um, Lamette going the other way, you know, I, he's one of those guys where, I'm going to, I'm going to be happy to see him be successful anywhere. I think he's, yeah. uh, he, he's a, a good guy. And, um, at one point he was looking like he could be an ACE. Uh, and since then, you know, a few things have happened and, you know, he's, he's kind of an unknown right now. So, uh, 
you know, I, I, I wish him the best. And if there's one team that knows how to develop a, a pitching arm, it's the Brewers. Like it's the Brewers, yeah. Look at their staff. Uh, they have this really uh, a little baseball insider stuff here is that uh, one of their developmental talents, I don't know who it is, uh, has a way of increasing the spin rate of these the pitchers that go into the Brewer staff. So uh, I'm going to blank on the name. I.e. Devin Williams. Who's... Yeah, someone like Devin Williams where they went in very unheralded and suddenly are just like out of this world bananas. Um, there was a pitcher that went to them. Um, I'm going to f- – I think it Eric was – Eric Lauer, are you talking from the Padres? Or? No, it wasn't from the Padres. It was – Chase Anderson, I think, a mm-hmm. few years back, uh, where his spin rate on his fastball was like 500 RPMs greater as soon as he went to the Brewers. Like, it was almost like they did something right away. And it was like, yeah. oh, no, now you can't see the seams on his fastball for whatever reason. Like, yeah. uh, so it was a, uh, it, you know, I, we'll look out for Lamed, And I think as Padre fans, I think we have a little more love for the people that we lose. Yeah. Um, than I like, so. than the Mets fan who's basically like scorched earth. Soon as they're not a Met, like, I don't care what happens. Hate them. Yeah. No. And I think that that goes to, to where, you know, we just appreciated basically anyone that was on the ball club before, regardless if we were a 90, 95 lost team. I love Alexi Amarista, you know, I loved a, you know, a chase Headley when he was doing really well. I, I hated a Jed Jerko, but you know, you still get those players you don't really like, but my, you know, point being is we appreciate, you know, and kind of really get attached to these guys based off of, you know, of course, what they do on the baseball field, too. We just get a little bit of an affinity towards, you know, them as a person. You see them every day, um, have a little bit more of an appreciation towards there. We're not the same cutthroat market as a New York uh, East Coast side. So um, it always is a little tougher to see them go the other way. And yeah, I mean, great point, too. I I, I definitely really wish the best out of Denelson Lamette. I remember watching him when he came up for his MLB debut a few years back. It's probably about five years now. And just lights out stuff the most raw lights out i mean he immediate comparison when he came up was tyson ross just dirty slider dropped out of nothing when the nelson lamette has cy young caliber stuff but he just has not been able to stay healthy and that is just unfortunately the case for some and that's just that's sports you know and that's you know kind of coming back to your point from before where you don't know how they're going to pan out just based off of injury based off of you know do they make it at the next level do they make the adjustments injury is a huge thing with that so the fact that we're getting a you know Josh Hader who's been relatively healthy throughout his career i mean not you know again these guys this is we're talking up until now um, then I think that's an extra kind of positive there. And just to, to break it down a little bit more too, I mean, Robert Gasser, he's in, you know, Fort Wayne for us. Apparently he's going to double A and for Milwaukee, he's going to be their ninth or their eighth overall prospect. Ninth will be a story Ruiz for them. I just looked that up on MLB.com. So, you know, good. Anytime you can get a good lefty uh, prospect, then you'll probably take a flyer on him at the very least. And he was highly rated in the Padres system. So, I think the Brewers got a good return here. When you look at it from afar, it looks like they won the trade. If you're just seeing, you know, if you're like, oh, I remember Lamette was, was you know, crushing it a couple of years back. And, I'm, you know, Taylor Rogers is second in the league in saves behind Josh Hader this year. And, you know, Esteri Ruiz and Robert Gasser. But overall, Rogers' regression <clears throat> has been pretty apparent. It's not necessarily just being unlucky. Um, looking at the advanced metrics, that's kind of been more haters case as of late. And like you said, everyone's going to go through bumps, but, uh, the stuff from Rogers has not been as good, um, in the last six weeks in particular, but yeah, the, I completely agree with you here with Ruiz going, that is the one that hurt the most for me. He is an ex- extremely exciting player to watch. Uh, I've followed him since we got him from the Royals a few years back when he was 17 years old. Um, you know, talked about it a few times on, on this pod. So to see him kind of come up through the ranks and finally come through and, and, and make it, that was really, really neat to see. 
So wishing him the best. Like I think he's going to be a fantastic piece. I mean, with that athletic ability, you're going to find a spot on a roster for like just pure speed wise of how fast that damn guy is, but he can, he can play everywhere. He's very technical. I think he's going to be going to be fantastic. So that's the one that, that hurts the most there, but you can also argue that we're potentially selling at his peak value too. So classic kind of AJ um, to where you don't, you don't know, maybe he's not going to be, he did he was, you know, one of our lowest, you know, I think F4 and OPS plus hitters in the month of July for what it's worth. I mean, it's his first time in the MLB, but um, so yeah, maybe, maybe we're selling high there. So hopefully we are, but overall I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of the hater trade. I think that he, especially come postseason or ramping up to it, I would trust Hater much more than Rogers. Uh, just the last few times I've watched Rogers pitch, he's absolutely just freaked me out. So I think uh, we're getting, like you said, one of the best closes, if not the best, in the last two years, two three years. So, uh, and then yeah, lefty coming down the stretch. I think it's just an upgrade on Rogers. We sold a little bit high, and then uh, I was talking to my brother about this yesterday. Rogers into Nelson Lamette salaries about twelve million dollars this year. Josh haters is 11. So it's kind of a wash there. Um, and then they get a couple of prospects in return. So get a Denelson salary off the books for what he was doing. I think that was a, a good move by AJ there. So um, just <clears throat> I'm attending game two of the Padres tonight. It looks like we just won 13 to five. We have 19 hits um, today. That's brand new news right now. According to Dennis Lynn, it's the most at Peco Park since June 2nd of 2016. So they're pumped. They're excited. The bats are alive. We haven't even got our reinforcements yet. Um, so that's, that's solid. So we're going to get this kind of sped up here a little bit, but trade number two. So we have five total uh, Padres receive left-handed pitcher Jay groom from the Boston Red Sox. And in return, the Red Sox receive Eric Hosmer, First baseman, if you've heard of him. Second baseman, Max Ferguson, who's the number 14th rated overall prospect for the Padres. Outfielder, Corey Rozier, Rozier, however you want to pronounce that. And Cash. And the Cash there, <laughs> Quinn and I just looked up the official details of the deal before we hopped on here. $44 million of the $46 million remaining of Eric Cosmer's contract is, in fact, going to Boston. So they're getting a player in Eric Cosmer's quality for league minimum. So that's not a bad deal at all. They ship that, that might be the most amount of cash sent the other way. I haven't looked that up, um, but that was clearly a salary dump to get his, his contract off the books. And they basically paid the Red Sox 44 mil to have him take Eric Cosmer. So um, initial thoughts on, on that one. And then also about his uh, no trade clause there. He had some cool points on that point part. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you know, we, we all know why this move was made. Um, Osmer has been in the kind of a steep decline. He's having an okay season and, you know, it, he's a good clubhouse presence. And, you know, I could, I could talk a lot of positives, but at the end of the day, like he was a liability at first base. Uh, he can't hit lefties, uh, you know, he was making a lot of money. So let's go ahead and get him out. Now he was supposed to be attached to the nationals deal. Um, yep. but, uh, he used his no trade clause, which I found out today. Uh, you can switch, um, uh, your 10 teams every year. Um, so, Last year, the Nationals were not on his no-trade clause, but this year they were. Hmm. Um, and we talked a little bit before we started about that being, you know, Scherzer, Turner gone, non-competitive team, essentially. Uh, that might be a reason he added them there. Um, yeah. So one thing I do want to say is that if the Padres would have kept him until the end of the season, um, he would have got 10-5 and five rights, which means – um, he's in the, he was in the, he's a 10 year veteran who's been on the same team for five years and will therefore carry a no, a full no trade clause. Um, so to that end, it was a very positive move to get him out. Yeah. Knowing that if it would have made it extremely difficult to trade him going forward. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Cause he has three years remaining on his current contract at 39 million. Um, 
So that's a fantastic point that you've, you found out there, Quinn research on that. So nice job that, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I didn't know that when we were talking about this before we hopped on 10 years, veteran, five years, same team, full, no trade clause in your, in your contract. And I mean, that's for, I mean, you could be making league minimum, correct? If you, I mean, not that you would as a 10 year veteran, most likely if you've been with the team for five years, but you technically would have that say. So, um, that's where I feel like even though you had yeah, three years left on the deal, you pretty much, it was as if it was the last year to, if you are going to move on from him, you know, and you know, he could accept a trade to say they trade him to the Yankees or Red Sox or whoever he could accept it, but he would have had much more power. The Padres would have had much less power. And therefore it was kind of a do or die situation for them. It was the last day to do it. And, and Preller, Preller shipped him off with $44 million of the 46 going the other way. So good, good uh, negotiating to hang on to that two mil right there. Um, Peter Seidler's probably very happy about that. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to, to look up uh, if that is in fact the most amount of money going the other way, but um, overall this one, this one's a pure salary dump. Jay groom apparently was the number one pitching prospect in the 2016 draft. Um, he's fallen a little bit in their ranks as well. So Lefty pitcher again, a little bit of a lefty flyer was highly rated before. Preller likes those guys that have those kind of higher prospect ratings in the past. Um, that we've seen a little bit of a trend of that. So, um, and then they're getting a you know not only are they getting forty four mil, but they're getting our fourteenth overall prospect in Max Ferguson and another outfield prox- prospect too. So, good haul from the Red Sox. Unfortunately, with with Hosmer, you know, not going the other way, we had to let go of uh, Luke Voigt. Um, so we'll get into that in a little bit too, which I was getting a little bit of a soft spot for, for Lukey there, but, um, overall, yep. Just clearing some space makes you wonder if there's potentially an extension in the works then for, for Mr. Juan Soto, but with that, a little bit of a dump there, but, um, yeah, overall a little bit of a contract dump third trade out of nowhere. I mean, to be fair, Everyone kind of knew that the Juan Soto was going somewhere and the Padres were a potential destination. These other four trades, no idea. No one had any clue, not a single insight on it until it actually happened. Third trade of the day, Padres received second baseman or third baseman, kind of just infielder, Brandon Drury from the Cincinnati Reds, who's been absolutely crushing it. Um, and in return, the Reds received second baseman, Victor Acosta, the number ninth overall prospect for the Padres. Um, so good return for them there. Brandon Drury has been having a fantastic year with 92 games played, 274 average in 350 at-bats, uh, 96 hits, 22 doubles, three, uh, two triples, sorry, 20 home runs in the Reds' friendly home run ballpark, but still 20 home runs is, is fantastic. 59 RBIs, a couple stolen bases, about 29 walks, 84 strikeouts, 335 on base percentage, and an 855 OPS. So 855 OPS would be good for second in the team, if I'm not mistaken, just behind Manny. Um, and of course, we have someone named Juan Soto coming over that has a little bit of a higher OPS this year, as does Josh Bell from the Nationals. But overall, a very, in my opinion, a very serious offer to where if you're getting serious offer, meaning if the Padres are serious about making a run deep in the playoffs, this is an X factor right here in Brandon Drury, where I think that Preller is showing that he is going all in with his chips. So I'm not sure if you agree with that, but um, overall another very, very solid acquisition for, for the Padres. Yeah. And I think this gives, uh, this gives the Padres a little flexibility as far as playing people across the infield, um, giving Mm -hmm. guys days off, keeping them fresh. Um, sliding someone into the DH role, uh, no root void anymore means that you know the Padres are going to yeah. mm-hmm. are going to have an open slot in the lineup basically every day, um, which Josh Bell might fill. Uh, you know, you once Tatis comes back, you have to ask questions about you know who's going to play where. So prone at second base, well, does he slide over to first, and then Kim goes to second? Do we move Josh Bell to first and make Kim kind of a utility guy? Yeah, um, Tatis play some DH to you know ease back in with the wrists. Yeah, and then and then you throw Drury into the mix and he can play, he can fit anywhere really in the infield. 
I'm sure he can slide into left field if needed. He can definitely DH. Um, Fury, I've always had a soft spot for. I think he was a underrated yeah. player basically his whole career, and he's kind of got the short end of the stick with TFAs and trades, and uh, he's not a bad player by any means. So um, I think the pot, this was a, a slick move by Preller. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think you're spot on though, saying this is gearing up for the postseason. Like, where this isn't a, this isn't a move in the long term. This is a, hey, we're going to get a, a thump, uh, a good bat right now, a thumper, and, and we're going to utilize him because this is our year. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's a type of guy to me that just you know he's he's on a one year nine hundred k contract with the Reds, super cheap for the rest of the year. Not going to take any hit against the you know the cap there at all. And you're getting a guy in the other way who's you know Victor Acosta, highly rated prospect again. So the Reds are getting a good haul, especially if they're not clearly not in the the race here. So if you look at it from a Reds point of point of view perspective, is a fantastic trade for them because Drury, you know as good as he's been for them, he's, they're not making the playoffs. So, you know, might as well get something for him. So this works out for all parties. Um, and yeah, like losing Voight, losing even Haas, you know, even though, you know, he's first baseman, he's DH a little bit losing Voight there. I think it, yeah, it just gives you a little bit more flexibility. Like you said, across the infield, it's almost as if him and, and Hassan Kim are like a double pivot um, to kind of take that out of some, some soccer terms there, but um, to where they very much share that kind of the same responsibility and can just get plugged in basically anywhere. And Crone is kind of that same player as well. He's just ahead in the pecking order to where he's going to be second or first, most likely. Um, but so, yeah, this is just another depth move. You never know with injuries, you never know with how guys are going to transition over to the new squad. So, um, and yeah, soft spot for Brandon jury too. I've, I've had a, a soft spot for him as well. So I've always kind of kept up with how he's, he's played, seen that, um, you know, potential and whatnot. So I think it's a very, very sneaky, solid addition by, by AJ Peller for, you know, being a short-term rental. So I'm, I'm pretty sure out of all the guys that we have acquired other than Cam Gallagher from the Royals, which we will get into a little bit later, Brandon Drury is the only one um, potentially Josh Bell too. I'll look up his contract, but to where he's the true rental in it to where I know when, when Preller makes a move, he likes at least one year of, of club control after um, that's what we've typically been seeing. So at brand juries typically, or is not typically, he is that pretty much that only rental option so far um, that, that we can see. And we'll check in on Josh Bell here in a sec as well. And again, you're not costing an arm and a leg, just a, a solid prospect on, on the way back. So. Yeah. Let solid, me just, let me just say that Josh Bell is a, is a rental. He's, He's rental. He's on yep. One contract. So his contracts uh, up at the end of the season. Gotcha. So we got two rentals. Josh Hader has another year of club control. Juan Soto, Soto has two years of club control after this. Um, and then Jay Grooms, uh, you know, I mean, that was in the prospect dump and Cam Gallagher. So he'll be, he'll have some club control and then Cam Gallagher. I'm not sure, but um, so yeah, overall I think it's a great, great rental there. Um and yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that trade. If we're, if we're going to be serious about making a push here late in the year, it's exciting. It's exciting. You get a player like Brandon Drury. That is an exciting acquisition right there because that means it's all business. So um, love it. I like that one. On to the fourth one. I'm sure you guys have heard of this one. This is the blockbuster of the day. Outfielder Juan Soto coming in for the Padres as well as Josh Bell that we just mentioned previously. The Nationals, this is a pretty penny to receive them too, especially, I mean, this is pretty much for the majority of them for Juan Soto, but Nationals receiving shortstop C.J. Abrams, our number one prospect, number nine in the MLB. First baseman, Luke Voigt. Left-handed pitcher, Mackenzie Gore, number four prospect for us, number 86 in the MLB. Outfielder, Robert Hassel III, number two for us, prospect-wise, number 37 in the MLB. Outfielder James Wood was our number five prospect and right-handed pitcher Jarlin Susanna or Jarlin Susanna. I'm not sure if I got that first name pronounced correctly. And he was our number 14th uh, prospect right-handed pitcher there. So overall, what a haul that the Nationals got. This was kind of the rumblings. We talked about this last episode, what we think it would take. Uh, 
definitely tough to see Hassel and Wood in there. Um, I was hoping that maybe they would just get one of the two so that we'd potentially have a, an outfielder uh, later on. But, you know, James Wood, he's he's from uh, Maryland, if I'm not mistaken. So it kind of made sense for him just to to keep going up through the ranks there and, and get comfortable where where his home is. And yeah, just overall whopping return for, for the nationals. However, we got Juan Soto, who is a, you know, a Fernando Tatis Jr. Esque type player type superstar right now. We've debated, you know, who is more valuable last year with a, you know, extended amount of time. And, you know, Tatis Matt said was 0.1 higher war on the year. So overall we are getting a, cornerstone of the franchise hopefully we can sign him to an extension and like we were saying before this is potentially the biggest trade of all time like you said Quinn with talent going each way so what are your thoughts what do you what are you most excited about with this trade and I would guess to kind of piggyback off that too who who hurts the most going the other way well um I'll tell you what I'm I'm excited Padres held on to Jackson Merrill. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a a not talked about enough point, Um, but you know, obviously coming Soto coming this way, you're giving up a lot. Um, I think uh, I feel nothing about Luke Voigt going because I kind of felt nothing about him getting traded to the Padres (laughs) in a season. Um, I have seen him hit one home run and that's the only hit I've seen him hit. And literally every other at bat I've watched of his has been a strikeout. <laughs> That's, we were talking about that last week too. Um, so do I feel anything there? Not really. Um, Abrams, I'm on the Abrams train. I, I'm sad to see him go. Same. Um, I hope I hope he does well, and I hope it's not a, a replay of the Trey Turner where you send him to Washington oh, and he turns into a stud and then gets traded to the Dodgers and ruins your life for x amount of years so um hassle i he i think he was going to be a good player not a great player um i think he's gonna you know i think he'll be a high 200s batting average and be good in the outfield and you know he's got some pop but not a lot um wood here i think is the big uh from what i read I think Bob Nightingale tweeted it out. He was the linchpin of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think I think people are underrating James Wood. I think he's going to be a uh, Justin Upton, like early in his career type, where he's a big man. And Six, he's going to hit some crazy home runs and uh, – you know, he's probably got average speed, maybe slightly above, but um, he's built to hit homers. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen that in Fran Mill. Um, yep. And, you know, they don't always pan out, but, um, you, you know, um, I'd say that he's the one that I'm going to miss the most. I say that right now, having not seen him play in the major league. So, um you know, it is what it is. Um, and then I don't really know a lot about Jarlin Susanna. Uh, but if he was included, I'm sure there's a reason. Uh, yeah. Number so, 14 prospects. So nothing to kind of, you know, it's not just a, an afterthought there. He's right. clearly been scouted and respected too, talent wise. So, right. um, yeah, but I, I don't know much about him either, but yeah, must be I pretty, think- pretty decent. Right, and I think that Josh Bell coming in is is going to be a huge help. Uh, switch yeah. hitter, uh, hits both sides well, has pop, um, has really figured it out. You know, he came up with the Pirates and was a was an asset for them for a long time, and uh, had a funny nickname there because he changed his swing a lot. Um, his nickname was Tinker Bell, and. Uh, that's where that it came worked. from. <laughs> and I uh, I think that he'll slide into first base, um, that first base DH role that Luke Voigt kind of fit. Um, and, you know, we're going to see Crone play some first um, as well as 
uh, Drury. I think we'll see Drury play first base as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I'm uh, and know, will probably a little and bit. will and mm-hmm. uh, you know I think everyone's obviously jazzed up about Juan Soto, but I think people should be. I, I don't think Josh Bell is anything to sniff at. It's just like throw him in there. Yeah. Um, he's an asset as well. I completely agree. And with the uh, with that, I have Josh Bell's stats from this year. 103 games played, 301 average. So we're getting a 300 hitter over the course of 375 at-bats. Um, good for 24 doubles, 14 bombs, 57 RBIs. 49 walks, 61 strikeouts, a 384 OBP, which is phenomenal, is something that we desperately need right now, and an 877 OPS. So he is having a fantastic year. I've always, like when he was on the Pirates, I mean, former All-Star, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he made the All-Star team. Yep. Yep. Um, so the the talent has been there, the you know lefty bat, so it's very, you're not, when, when you're shipping out Hosmer, you're getting a, another lefty bat in there probably plays about the same same level of defense i would imagine um not super hot with the glove but he's always been a very fun player to watch offensively and i know there's a lot of hype around him when he came up in in pittsburgh's organization uh and so i kind of at least kept my eye on him when whenever he'd play the padres and whatnot so excited i think great point there to say that you know this isn't just a you know sniff at josh bell he's just a, a side piece coming in i think this is another very calculated move to get him, you know, coming this way with, uh, with Juan Soto. And it probably cost him that Jarlin Susanna prospect, I would imagine was kind of the, uh, the one for one return. So something similar to Drury for Acosta going the other way. And then Soto, I'd imagine would have, would have consisted of the other prospects. So um, I would agree with you. I think out of the ones that, that left, I was getting, I was getting more of an affinity towards Luke. Like I said, Uh, just, really liked his really liked his his mentality i thought he fit in really well with the the squad uh he has been kind of turning the corner lately but again you could look at that as a peak value kind of kind of acquisition there or you know getting rid of him from from peller from peller from preller as well um so bummer to see him go but he's not someone that's irreplaceable i think uh Abrams was definitely more dispensable just because we have, you know, Tatis in the shortstop hole. So there's always that, that question of where we were going to send him or, you know, put him in the field. So trying to look at him at center field. So at least he gets to play shortstop for the natties. Um, and then, yeah, hanging on to Jackson Merrill, I think is going to be going to be huge coming through. Cause we'll, we'll see what Crohn's contract situation looks like when, when Merrill kind of comes up here. He's currently our second uh, prospect now um, with everyone that's been shipped off today. So, and then the James Wood leaving, I think he is the most exciting to me out of this group because one, he's the, the rawest, most unproven, slipped in some draft boards a little bit when he got drafted. And then afterwards, people realized they made a massive mistake, just how he's been playing so far um, for the storm this year. 19 years old. Yeah. He's six, seven frame as a 19 year old kid. He, he is going to be exciting to watch. He has a uh, 60 grade speed, I believe as well. So he's actually a, a very good athlete. Um, so again, very raw though. So you, you never know with a guy that's in low a, if he's going to make it up, he has the potential to be, I like that a Justin, a Justin Upton type type player. I think, uh, you know, O'Neill is it a uh, Cruz O'Neill? What's the Pittsburgh shortstop that just came up? O'Neill um, Cruz. Yeah. I got the, the comma backwards. Um, O'Neill Cruz being that six, seven frame with a freakish, you know, kind of athletic build, uh, you know, stature wise and just how, how he swings kind of reminded me of him there, but um, you never know, you never know with that low a, but I think as just looking at him, he looks like he's going to be a pretty uh, exciting piece going forward. And clearly the, the nationals wanted him to kind of replace that Soto role potentially in a couple of years from now. So um nationals i think got the pick of the litter i think that the padres knew that they had to come in with an absolutely outrageous offer and they did and that's what it takes to get a guy like juan soto you know 23 year old based off of his numbers he is he is on track to be a future hall of famer i think that's still way too premature to say that because of his age but based off of how he started in the league with the numbers he's producing and the comparisons so far um, that's not the most outrageous thing to say, but I still think it's a little premature. 
and he's a cornerstone for for our piece for for years to come hopefully at least two years hopefully we can get him for for even longer than that so So, overall blockbuster uh, of a trade one thing i want to say uh usually you know the the milestone people look for in a hall of famer is about 50 war and it's not an exact science because there's people voting on it yeah um but to this point, and this is on baseball reference, not on fan graphs. To this point, Juan Soto is 23 years old, almost 24. And his career war is almost 22. Yeah. So, um, you know, as a 23-year-old, being nearly halfway there to that, 50 war career that's pretty impressive that's very impressive and the games played to get there he has missed very minimal time very very minimal time he is forgot to throw his stats up there because i was rambling per usual but he's the type of guy that's going to get on base and this year He's having a quote-unquote down year with his 246 batting average. He's getting on base at a 408 clip. Um, in the month of July, he got on base at a 505 clip. So you're getting a guy that is just outrageous with his plate discipline, can hit bombs, but he's really all about getting on base. And that is something we desperately, desperately need. Right. And if you look at a couple other things here, uh, he's leading the majors in walks this season. He led the majors in walks yep. last season. Uh, he led the majors in bat- and on base the previous two seasons. Uh, the shortened 2020 season, he led the majors in on base slugging and OPS. Obviously, those three go hand in hand. That 2020 season, again, he only played 47 games, but OPS plus of 217. Uh, which is basically off the chart. So 100 uh, is average. <laughs> yeah. So that's 117% better than the average player. Um, so you need to know that was possible. <laughs> you're getting the stud. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, this is, this is to me, like just going through stats, this is the first season. His OPS has been below 900. So still a couple months to play. Yeah. And average is what, like 720, maybe 700 nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's never been below 900 in his career. And and it's at 893. (laughs) I have 894, but yeah. uh, There you go. He's basically there. So uh, he's in, like I said earlier, he's a known quantity. Uh, He's an on-base machine. Um, You know, there's a couple holes in his game. He's not, a very strong defender mm-hmm. um, and he's not going to wow you on the base pass, but uh, he will wow you with getting on base, being a disciplined hitter. Uh, and he has some pop. So, yep. Um, you know, I Padres fans need to need to get excited. It's, it's yeah. time. It is it's time. time to shine. They, it is hashtag time to shine. And with that being said, AJ Preller is clearly serious. The Padres are clearly serious. You're getting a guy like Soto, you're getting a guy like Hater, you're getting a guy like Brandon Drury, who's my X Factor going forward. Then we are clearly serious for this push. And let's just see if we can kind of get over the line and you know at least give the Dodgers a run for their money regular season wise, and then anything happens when you make the uh, the tournament in October. So. Real quick before we depart, I got to get rolling here. I'm going to the uh, second game of the doubleheader tonight against the Rockies. Uh, Padres also received catcher Cam Gallagher, 11-year vet with the Royals organization for prospect Brent Rooker, who could absolutely mash in AAA. Didn't really work out so far in limited opportunities in the in the majors. Another very random trade there, considering that um, we held on to Luis Camposano, who's now our number one overall prospect. So. I'll throw that in there. And then just before one last thing, before we, we wrap up, I just wanted to go over our top 10 prospect list. Luis Campisano one, Jackson Merrill two, E guy, Rosario, your guy. 
number three. Reese Kinnear, number four. Joshua Mears, five. Victor Acosta says six. He's gone. Um, so six is Samuel Zavala. Seven, Victor Lazaraga. Nine, Corey Howell. Ten, and uh, eight, Kevin. Or sorry, nine, Kevin Cops, I guess. And uh, ten, Max Ferguson. I had to get Victor Acosta out of there. Uh, sorry, Max Ferguson, also gone. Your fave, number 10, Reggie Lawson. Pulling oh, in there at number 10. So we have taken a beating in our top 10 prospect list. Preller is going to probably be on the scouting department tomorrow to get it all back to shape. But hey, this is the price that you pay. The fact that we had these guys to go the other way to make this happen. Absolutely fantastic. Quinn, I would have you on for probably another hour um, with all this news that's gone down. I got a roll. I really appreciate you hopping on here last minute and talking everything that has gone down in the last 24 hours. It's been quite a fun day to be a Padres fan, much more fun than 365 days ago, the whole Scherzer Turner debacle. So appreciate you hopping on. Uh, it's good to be here. And I'm, um, you know what? It's time. It's time to get excited. It's time to get excited, baby. AJ Preller statue coming 2027. 20, Book it. <laughs> and Grisham's also, getting hot. Also, a uh, quick shout out. Uh, West Ham uh, opens the season on Sunday against Manchester City. So be looking for the upset there. Sweet. Tottenham are going to take care of Southampton on Saturday. So it's going to be a London party. Anyways, we got to roll. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Podfathers, a Slam Diego Padres podcast. The Podfathers is produced by Lowson Walls and is executively produced by Jacob Lamb. Our theme song is A Bubba by Trilock. To get in touch with the show, follow us on Twitter at Podfathers619. That is at P-A-D-F-A-T-H-E-R-S 619. Or email us at podfathers at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major audio platforms. Go Pods!